hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Bevel Twist. Extra, extra, read all about it. Extra, extra, hear all about it here on Brave the Wild. This is a special episode as, well, luckily I'm available to jump on board right away today as there is a, of course, breaking news that took place yesterday morning. But uh, <laughs> this is the time I can record the show and have a conversation with you about the parting of ways between the Minnesota Wild and General Manager Chuck Fletcher. So Chuck Fletcher is no longer the General Manager of the Minnesota Wild. Owner Craig Leopold has not uh, renewed the contract for Mr. Chuck Fletcher. So the comments basically from Craig Leopold is basically we're good but not good enough. And there's a sign on the uh, on the upper wall there in the, <laughs> heading into the practice facility that says good isn't good enough. And that helps sway his decision along with confidence behind the scenes according to Michael Russo, who formerly of the Star Tribune, now of the Athletic, of course, a subscription, uh, subscription, uh, internet web, uh, internet news affiliate. So, yeah, very interesting there. Uh, he was saying, read between the lines and who were the confidants that Mr. Uh, <laughs> that that encouraged Mr. Leopold to change direction, as it looked like there was going to be a two-year extension for Chuck Fletcher. And in the past two weeks or so, that decision had changed. So Chuck Fletcher, again, no longer the general manager of the Minnesota Wild. Where do we go now? This and that. Who are the confidants? He said, read between the lines. When you look on wild.com, who liked the move, who didn't? It's like it's kind of, when I read between the lines, it looks like it could be Bruce Boudreaux. But I don't know why that would be because, of course, when you bring in a new general manager, that could mean a new coach uh, within a year or so. So I don't know if it was him or not, but that's the indicator I saw. All the players seemed kind of sad, especially like Devin Dubnik, Charlie Coyle, those especially. Uh, Obviously Dubnik with a nice contract from uh, Mr. Chuck Fletcher. Charlie Coyle wouldn't be surprised if Chuck Fletcher kind of was one of the guys that uh, Craig Leopold is talking about, how he wants a new general manager that doesn't feel that they have ownership in some of the players, so to speak, where it's like they're just too close and they don't want to trade this guy or that guy. Uh, Montreal had contacted the Minnesota Wild about uh, Charlie Coyle around the trade deadline, maybe trade away uh, Max Paxeretti or someone else, somebody like that in the Wild were actually the ones turning Montreal Canadiens down. Ultimately, the Minnesota Wild did trade Mike Riley for a fifth-round pick to the Montreal Canadiens. So there were multiple reasons why Montreal scouts were watching the Minnesota Wild extensively around trade deadline. Of course, Mike Riley involved, but I think Charlie Coyle had to do with it as well. Very interesting thoughts there. Um, we're going to look at the career retrospective of uh, Mr. Chuck Fletcher with the Minnesota Wild, all the trades he made, this and that, his, uh, his draft history. And it's not spectacular, but it is better than <laughs> Doug Risebrow, which again isn't saying much because Doug Risebrow, after Marion Gabrick, pretty much that's about all she wrote. I mean, you look over Doug Risebrow's resume as general manager of the Minnesota Wild, and it's embarrassing. Embarrassing. Um, Way back in 2000, of course, Marion Gabrick played over 1,000 games so far in the NHL, and he's had 815 points. So, okay, that's a great draft pick, this and that. Luckily, the, uh, I forget who it was now. Oh, yeah, it was the Islanders. Luckily, the Islanders picked Rick DiPietro. Otherwise, Gabrick might have gone to the Atlanta uh, Thrashers at the time, now known as the Winnipeg Jets. So, and we thought that uh, New York might have going to possibly take uh, Gabrick or Heatley, 
And then that's, of course, Danny Healy, who ended up playing on the Wild years later, too, which is funny, but well past his prime. Good first year and bad after that, pretty much, and shoulder injury, all that BS. Uh, but um, mm, interesting. It's just crazy when you sit down and think about that. So Gabrick luckily slipped to us. Otherwise, Nick Schultz, you know, eh, you know, so it's like the career goes on and on for Doug Risebrow. It's pretty much the first round pick ended up being something like Koivu. And after that, there was pretty much nothing else. Uh, Pierre-Marc Bouchard ended up being something. And after that, pretty much nothing else. You have Josh Harding. And after that, zero. I mean, how many draft picks did we have in 2002? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight draft picks that did nothing. Nothing. That's in- unbelievable. Um, and then... 2003, he had Brent Burns, and after that, nothing. That was another eight or so picks that didn't do anything. You could go on forever. Uh, the 2004 draft pick was historically bad. Ryan Jones ended up resurfacing on some other team who did, meh, you know, a little bit. He's just average, and Clayton Stoner was an okay defenseman who took about five or six years to get to the NHL. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? 2004, I think, is what got I mean, Jiminy Christmas. Everybody didn't make it. A.J. Thielen didn't play a game, didn't even come close, didn't even play in the AHL. Benoit Pouliot was a bust, fourth overall pick, and after that, nothing. See, so it's like you look at that, and you say, okay, Fletcher wasn't that bad. Uh, look at 2006, James Shepard, complete bust here, did nothing. Cal Clutterbuck, a couple years later, finally came up and was a solid role player who hit people hard and basically started fights that he didn't want to fight in. Uh, 2007, you trade up for Colton Gillies, does nothing. After that, nothing. You know, Cody Allman played 25 games in the NHL and was hurt about 25 years uh, Justin Falk, barely good enough to crack uh, defensive cores. He's like a seventh defenseman on most teams. You trade up for Tyler Kuma a year later. He plays one game in the NHL. One. But you did get Marco Scandell in the second round, and he ended up being a nice player. So that was kind of nice. So now we get to Chuck Fletcher. <clears throat> and it's like things started off with a pretty interesting bang. As you got some interesting players in this draft, and you traded for the players and such in 2009. You trade for Nick Letty, and it was pretty exciting at the time, as we're going to look at the uh, trade history here, as things starting off with a bang here with Chuck Fletcher, kind of making his making his mark on the Minnesota Wild, first trade with the team on June 26, 2009, you trade our 12th pick, which ended up being a guy named Kelvin DeHaan, who didn't do a whole, much, whole lot for the New York Islanders, you get the 16th pick, which was Nick Letty, Third rounder, Matt Hackett, which we thought was going to be better. And then seventh rounder, Eric Halla. Fascinating trade there when you look at it. And what, at least two pretty good players there. Unfortunately, neither one of them on Minnesota now. Nick Letty had traded for Cam Barker a little later, and that was horrible. Um, horrible trade. We'll get to that in a second. Of course, Eric Halla, though, what a nice trade and a nice draft pick. The trade for Darcy Kemper and Kyle Brodziak with the Edmonton Oilers. That was a pick that became Darcy Kemper. You trade for Chuck Kobosu with Boston, which ended up being one of the lamer trades in wild history. Puglia for La Tendresse. That was kind of a wash, but Puglia still playing and La Tendresse isn't. And then you do the Kim Janssen and Nick Letty for Cam Barker deal. Trade deadline, the wild. Oh boy, well, we're, we, we get rid of Kim Janssen. We're not going to re-sign him anyway. Kim Janssen goes and wins the Stanley Cup before he retires. Uh, Nick Letty goes to Chicago and was... Uh, you know, ends up being a pretty solid defenseman with New York Islanders many years later. And ironically, we wind up with Jared Spurgeon, who ended up being taken in the sixth round by the Islanders a couple years earlier. So it's kind of a weird little musical chair. So it makes us feel a little bit better, even though there was no trade for Jared Spurgeon. It's just the Islanders happened to lose him in free agency. and They just kind of let him go. But Cam Barker ended up being one of those historically awful, awful trades, all-time trades. Uh, the Blackhawks knew what they were doing, and they pulled the trigger on a trade that, uh, well, 
they didn't keep Nick Letty for very long, but he was there for enough of a time, and they got rid of a player who did nothing. Cam Barker, third overall pick. He scored 12 points in about 70 games for the Wild over two seasons. That's, wow, fascinating stuff. <sighs> yeah, you can just go on and on. Eric Belanger, which for the pick that ended up being Johan Larson, fascinating trade there. Brad Stavitz, whatever. Um, you make a draft day trade, which ended up wild trade up and getting uh, Jason Zucker. That was a nice one in, on, in 2010. Uh, a couple of not so notable ones along the way. I just went backwards. My mistake. So it, it's just, you know, it's fun to look at the retrospective of the trades. I don't want to bore you too much, but it's just interesting. Peter Kalish, you just threw away. McIntyre, meh, meh, meh. And then the fascinating trade on draft day when Craig Leopold went on the air and said, we're not making any trades right now where there's nothing going to happen and within about 36 hours or so the Minnesota Wild trade Brent Burns who just had about almost 50 points for the Wild that year or was it uh, the 45-ish you trade Brent Burns and a 2012 second round pick for Charlie Coyle, Devin Setaguchi and the pick of the century the 28th pick for the Sharks in 2011 which ended up being Zach Bleepin Phillips. Well Charlie Coyle's still on the Wild and yeah we're still waiting on him ever uh, reaching the potential we thought he had the Wild also traded up a third and a fourth round pick to get the second round pick and Mario Lucia, who we ended up trading away for some guy named Victor Louv. Yeah, all these years later, Mario Lucia was a colossal uh, disappointment considering you traded up for the 60th pick in the draft and took him and he didn't do jack. After a good uh, freshman year with Notre Dame, didn't do jack. Uh, Heatley for Havlat, or ha- yeah, that was a nice trade at the time because Havlat did nothing with the Sharks. Heatley two years later was garbage. Uh, you trade away James Shepard also with the Sharks. You get a third-round pick for James Shepard, which ended up being not too bad, even though Shepard had an okay third-fourth-line career with certain teams. But when you're talking sixth overall pick in the draft, Doug Ridesbrow, that's pretty weak. Um, you trade away Eric Nystrom for future considerations. Uh, Wellman and Christensen. Yep, that was the year woo, we made the trade of the century. We got a shootout star in Eric Christensen who can't play in the NHL. You get rid of Zidlicky later that later in that month. You get Curtis Foster back, who broke his femur off of someone's slap shot. That was pretty wild. Um, Nick Palmieri, ah, what was it again? Palmieri, that's how you say it. Stefan Veyu came back. That was crazy. The whole Merrick Zedlicky trade. Schultz for Gilbert. That was, people talking about those are the wheels turning when the Wild were going to go after Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, which ended up being a fact. Zanin and Kampfer, that's not much to talk about there. Mike Rupp, that was a veteran who's now working for NHL Network, and he's been on uh, some of the local shows here. Cassian in a sixth-rounder. This is what we're heading into 2013. And then you get another major trade, April the 3rd, when the Wild get uh, Jason Pominville, of course. That was a, a lockout season, so that was why the trade deadline was so late in early April there. You get Pominville in a fourth-round pick for Matt Hackett, Johan Larson, neither one of them did anything for Buffalo, but you do give up a 2013 first-round pick and a 2014 second-round pick. And this was the beginning of Chuck Fletcher's uh, trading away every draft pick in the history of mankind. <laughs> that was unbelievable. This was the beginning of it. Pominville had a couple of good years. He had a 30-goal year the next year with the Wild. Of course, you signed him to an extension, five-year extension, which we were okay with at the time, but within about two years, we questioned that. But Pominville, a two-way player at the end of the day. At least there was that and then there was another fascinating trade, a third-round pick and Clutterbuck to the Islanders, who's still there for Nino Niederreiter, who's still with Minnesota. That was a pretty good trade. 
considering. Um, Niederreiter was an extremely high draft pick for the Islanders a couple of years before, and he scored like one goal in 55 games. And then within a year, Niederreiter clearly was a little better than that with Minnesota, but still, to me, has not reached the potential we hoped he could reach, and I would not mind trading him, but he's the guy I was talking about on the last episode just recently who's signed to a five-year deal with four years remaining at about 5.2. I actually... I forget who I was. I was calling him Granlund. I got him and Granlund mixed up with just the way I was talking, but I meant Nita Ryder. Uh, you end up trading away Setaguchi for a second round pick. That was good, considering Setaguchi did nothing with the Wild. So that was the good thing. And you continue to move forward. Not a whole lot of trades after that, other than, well, of course, the Wild giving away draft picks, but they were all significant trades as well. Matt Molson and Cody McCordick, this is one of the historical horrible trades for Chuck Fletcher. Two second-round picks, one in 2014, one in 16 for uh, Molson and McCormick. Molson did nothing. McCormick was a nice, solid fourth-line center. Powerful player, but, well, I don't know. Worthy of all that, I don't know. Uh, Brisk Golov, that was a necessary move, a fourth-round pick, but he ended up only being a rental, and he did help the Wild in that in <laughs> that solid uh, year when we got to the second round of the playoffs. Luckily, um, that's when we survived Colorado and all that, and Brisk Golov was decent for the Wild. Ultimately, we lose to the Blackhawks, but Brisk Golov instrumental in the net as Mr. Uh, Kemper just was not that good. Uh, the next year, Wild don't do anything. You're unable to sign any free agent goalies. So we struggle with Darcy Camper and Backstrom, who couldn't stay healthy. Devin Dubnik ends up getting acquired. That was one of the wonderful trades of Fletcher's career there with the Wild in 2015. uh, January 14th, the Wild acquired Devin Dubnik, and the rest was history there as the Wild ended up having a strong season. But then, after all that, you beat St. Louis in six games, and then you face Chicago, and you get swept. Instead of going six games, almost seven with Chicago the year before, which was fascinating. The Wild almost went to the West Finals. We were actually fairly close. Is that the same six in Exit Energy Center went to overtime? If not for the lucky bounce by the, uh, off the stanchion for Patrick Kane, you never know. The Wild might have forced Game Seven in Chicago. Um, odds would be against us, but the Wild history in Game Sevens was pretty damn nice. It was three and zero at that point. And, uh, well, we haven't been in a seventh game since then, and the Wild haven't been in the second round since 2015 when we got swept. And that was when a lot of us first started wondering, is that it? You you make the historic signings, which I didn't even mention because I'm focusing more on the drafts here, but the historic signings of July 4th, 2012, $99 million per for both uh, Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, as they were both signed about the same time, literally within minutes of each other. It was a team thing there between the two cap hits that will be affecting the Wild until, until, until the summer of 2025. Um, risky move, big move. The Wild needed it and all that because we hadn't made the playoffs in forever. And then that finally got the Wild back in the playoffs. But really, since then, we've gotten to the second round twice. Like I just mentioned, you get losing six games to Chicago, swept by the Blackhawks the next year. And that's when you start wondering, like, huh, these guys are starting to get a teeny bit older. Guys like Coyle and Niederreiter have been here a while, Granlin, and it's like they're getting better and they're not getting better, and we're now we're getting swept by Chicago. Last year we went to all we almost went to the seventh game. Now we're getting swept. And that's when you started wondering what's going on here. And then Fletcher makes a trade a whole year later, or no, a month later during that twenty fifteen. It was around that same time. You make a trade that didn't make a whole lot of sense. A third-round pick for Sean Bergenheim, a bottom-six player who did nothing for the Wild. 
Then you trade away one bust for another, Zach Phillips or Jared Knight with the Boston Bruins. You acquire Chris Stewart the same day for a second-round pick, and Chris Stewart was not worthy of a second-round pick. He's okay, but that's it. Um, later uh, that same day, again, you acquire Jordan Leopold, which a lot of us were excited about. Remember that as uh, his daughter, Jordan Leopold's daughter, wrote a uh, letter to Chuck Fletcher Please bring my dad home, and basically, and that's what happened. So you have all that kind of interesting stuff to talk about there. That was kind of fun. Other than that, after Leopold, a lot of the trades pretty much just, meh, you know, small end moves. Obviously, you trade Backstrom away. You're finally able to get rid of him like a year later, uh, get him off the books. But then again, it was just him a chance to play a couple more games before he retired, and then... And then you make the famous home run strikeout trade. Martin Hansel and Ryan White, another first-round pick given away there. And a second-round pick and a conditional fourth-round pick to the Arizona Coyotes for Martin Hansel and Ryan White. That was a huge strikeout for Chuck Fletcher. After that, though, the other notables, of course, Alex Tuck and a conditional third-round pick in 2017 which ended up uh, protecting Matt Dumba, and you end up allowing the Knights to sign like a handshake deal to sign Eric Halla, this and that, the Golden Knights. And then you make the horrible trade of Tyler Ennis, Marcus Foligno, and a third-round pick, which at least we got that for Margot Scandella. Jason Pominville, you get him off the books, but you just bring Tyler Ennis on the books, so that didn't help a whole lot. Uh, Scandella's contract off the books, okay. So then you sign Foligno to an extension, which I guess is semi-okay, but not really because it's... At least it's under $3 million, I guess. Um, so that was the trade, I think, that may have broke the uh, the camel's back here, the straw that broke the camel's back for Chuck Fletcher. As you figure, okay, you're clearing clap space because you kind of have to and the situation going on, but the guys you acquire, and that's the best you can do, and that's what kind of leaves you wondering with Chuck Fletcher. And it's one player after another. You sit and analyze and you think about trading up for Mario Lucia and what did he ever do and uh, and so many other trades like Nita Ryder. You're stuck with these guys. You don't want to trade them away. You're just sold on them like they're your future. And then they just don't give you a whole lot. Like they have a good year here, but then they never show up in the playoffs. Charlie Coyle never shows up in the playoffs. Nita Ryder, okay, he had that awesome goal against Colorado, but what has he done since then? That's the other question. Nita Ryder hasn't been a huge factor. Spurgeon, I think, is a guy you want to keep. Obviously, but if you have to trade him, fine. But I, I would rather keep Spurgeon. Obviously, his contract is fairly expensive at $5.1 million. That is expensive, but he's an extremely good player. Um, and now you sit here wondering, what does the future hold? Who can you trade? What moves can you make? Can you trade Charlie Coyle, and what would you get for him? Would you package him with somebody else, maybe Coyle and Niederreiter? And how much salary are you going to bring back? Obviously, you have to match salaries, or at least come close to doing that in order to get under the cap and fit things correctly and all that. Um, and yeah, for the other team to get under the cap to be able to acquire your player, this and that. So it's things like that, depending on the cap movement and such. Salaries have to be close enough to be able to make the trade and all that. So complications here and there, but the new general manager, it's going to be interesting to see, thing, see how things go there. Um, of course, in the draft, 2010, you got Granlund. That was... Fletcher's second draft, and he ended up being a pretty good player, but it took a while. Zucker as well. So at least you're getting multiple players there that are factors in 2010. So, okay. 2011, Brodine was a sure thing, and he ended up being good, but after that, eventually Nick Seeler now has shown up, and that's great. But of course, Zach Phillips, Mario Lucia, Mario Lucia, 
Steve, Steve Michalik and Grayback haven't done a whole lot. Steeler, it took a while, but here he is, and he looks great. It's just funny. That's why Steeler's 24 years old, because he was drafted way back in 2011. Uh, 2012, Matt Dumba. All right, so that worked out good. Other than that, though, nothing much. In fact, nothing at all. Bruce Aries, Dreiger. So this is kind of like a Risebrow draft right here. You, the first round pick was okay, because there's a seventh pick in the draft. Luckily, he's turned out to be good. A 50-point defenseman this last year. And, of course, he's a uh, restricted free agent, so the new general manager is going to have his work cut out for him there and getting the correct uh, deal there for Dumba and Zucker, as it won't be Fletcher anymore. But after that, again, Buceri, Stryger, Gilmore, Gunnarsson, Bursky, and Lanani did nothing. Yep, Lewis Nanny, <laughs> grandson of Blue Nanny. 2013 draft, other than Carson Soucy in the fifth round, looks terrible so far. Olafson, nothing. And, of course, there was no first-round pick because that was for Pominville. Gabriel, I think the Wild let him go. Dylan Lobby's done absolutely nothing. He can't even get to the AHL, hardly. Avery Peterson just finished with uh, Duluth. He's okay at best, and he's been through a lot, unfortunately. Off the ice. Uh, 2014, Tuck is gone, but Belpedio is just getting started. Hopefully he'll be something. And other than that, the other players, Cabo Kalkinen still has a chance. Lang and Jenny are dark horses to make the NHL 2015. Uh, Erickson Eck and Greenway might end up being a... This might end up being a great draft, possibly. Um, even Nick Boca from Michigan in the sixth round, he still might end up making the NHL a physical tough guy. He's got a little sealer in him, I would say. Copper's off in the fifth round. That might end up still being something spectacular. Hopefully the new general manager can keep contact with Kirill Kaprizov and get him to Minnesota in the next three freaking years. <sighs> Yul Eriksson-Eck and Greenway, though. Obviously too early to say. Eriksson-Eck did play the whole season with the Wild. More of a physical uh, <laughs> defensive forward so far in his career. But obviously the scoring talent is there. He's just not been put in scoring positions. He's pretty much been a pretty much been a uh, bottom six guy so far, been kept down there, not put on the power play at all, the skills there. I do think Yul Eriksson, that could end up being a pretty good pick, but you did miss out on Brock Besser in that draft. That's a big loss. Uh, even though Eriksson looks like a good player, I think Bro- uh, Eriksson is, uh, excuse me, Brock Besser is going to be better than Eriksson So another miss there, of course, but it happens. At least he's an NHL player, unlike uh, Doug Risebrow half the time. Uh, Jack Sadick still has a chance to be something, too. Going into his senior year with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Still might end up being something. Luke Cunning and all that. Dmitry Sokolov in 2016. That might end up being fun. Brandon Duhaim looks good with the uh, Providence uh, Friars. So, maybe. <laughs> and last year's draft, I have no idea. I really don't know. Other than Nick Sweeney in the seventh round. As that's the one thing about Chuck Fletcher that's better than uh, Doug Risebro. He's had a few successful seventh rounders. Um... And I think Sokolov could be a good one. Taken in 2016, Jack Sadik might end up being something. Uh, 2015, of course, the Gophers defenseman and Nick Sweeney with uh, the Duluth Bulldogs this year, national champions. Congratulations once again. Um, I, he was pretty good. So he, he's got a scoring touch and he, he he's a playmaker. He's quick. I like what I saw out of the guy. He is... He's got a chance to be a pretty good player, uh, kind of a slot forward. Uh, obviously, he plays in the slot, uh, the lower slot, closer to the net, and I like what I see out of Nick Sweeney. That was cool. Obviously, a small sample for me, but NCAA tournament, that's when it matters most, and Nick Sweeney was a guy that was in the mix, even though he even though he wasn't like necessarily scoring goals like crazy. He was there, and I think the, the talent and the potential is there for Nick Sweeney, seventh-round pick, so... Chuck Fletcher, not that bad of a drafter. It's his trades. His trades are ha, have been pretty much terrible. 
Um, the Pommonville one was good for the moment. Other than that, though, not much good to say. I mean, not much. Trading up for Lucia was lousy. Getting a fifth rounder for Mike Riley, I guess. I think maybe you could have gotten a little more, but I guess it is what it is. Not trading Charlie Coyle. I don't know. Maybe Max Pacioretty could have been a little bit better, even though he's kind of lazy, but I don't know. He's, he's more talented than Coyle, and Coyle, it's like Coyle's not lazy, but he's not aggressive. He doesn't, he, it's like something's missing. He doesn't try to score. He just tries to make plays. Um, the only good trades Fletcher made were pretty much some of those quick ones where the guy was good for like a few months, like Leopold, that was a nice little cute trade that ended up being a nice addition to the Wild, a right shot defenseman, which we needed desperately back then as well. I do think Belpedio is going to really fill that uh, role well in, in the coming uh, years here. That might end up being a really nice pick for Fletcher. So his drafting, not perfect, and no general manager's drafting is perfect, but a lot better than Risebrow. So at least you have that going for you. The Briskolov quick move ended up being a nice fill-in. So, I mean, not every trade was bad, but the ones when Fletcher was more aggressive and giving up a lot ended up all being massive strikeouts. And I think that's a large reason why Fletcher has uh, ultimately not been retained by uh, Craig Leopold in the Minnesota Wild. Like Molson and McCormick, that's that's a blemish. That's a that is a ink stain on the on the nice new shirt you bought. Two second rounders for McCormick and Molson. Wow. Wow. I mean, you might, I mean, a, yeah, okay, you get the idea. A 12-pack of Molson Ice might have been more valuable than M Matt Molson. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, he, he was terrible. Um, obviously, Knight and Phillips, that's a wash. They both were complete busts, and both of them are not even playing in the United States anymore. Stewart for a second rounder, that's expensive, you know? Chris Stewart ended up being a role player in the NHL. So it's stuff like that. I know, it's like, I know I'm rambling on about all the trades, but they don't, that's what I was earlier. I wanted to go over some of the significant ones and all that, and it's kind of fun to do a little retrospective. Obviously, the Hansel and White trade, Hansel and Gretel would have been more valuable than, than them last year. And, oh, I applaud the Wild for being aggressive and making a move, but that wasn't a good move. Couldn't, wasn't there somebody else out there that was better? And did, did the Arizona Coyotes really warrant demanding a first-round pick for Martin Hansel, Hansel and Ryan Bleepin White, who is not an NHL player. I mean, how Ryan White stayed in the NHL as long as he did, I don't know. I mean, the guy's IQ was questionable. <laughs> questionable. A first and a second rounder, man. A first and a second rounder. Ryan White was, at best, a fourth-line player. A first and a second rounder for a Martin Hansel, a 20-goal guy, big physical, but 20 goals and slow. 20 goals and slow. It was like Ron Karkovice for the Chicago White Sox in the 1993 playoffs who batted zero. Yeah, he hit 20 home runs in the regular season and he batted zero. He didn't get a hit that whole uh, ALCS in the 1993 ALCS against the Toronto Blue Jays. How I remember that, don't ask me. I just do. And uh, that's what Martin Hansel was for the Wild. He was Ron Karkovice. Ron Ar Officer Karkovice, who batted zero for the White Sox. That was Martin Hansel for the Wild in that trade. He batted zero for the Wild. He was just, again, how I remember that, I don't know. I just, I remember being kind of shocked, like, how come this guy hasn't gotten a single hit in the whole damn series? <laughs> a six-game series, and you can't even get a hit. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and that's what Martin Hansel was, as I keep rehashing the same thing over and over again. I'm sorry to drive you crazy with that, but yeah, um, the trades suck. 
just about every trade Fletcher made was not good. I mean, Bergenheim for a third rounder. It's a, you can't stop going back to that one. Dubnik was an awesome trade. See, there were a couple pinch in the pinch trades that were great. Both of the goalies the Wild acquired were very helpful. Brisgala for a fourth rounder, very helpful for what he uh, for for that playoff run and helped the Wild almost get to the conference finals that year with a, you know with limited movement and a guy who never played another game in the NHL after that, which is kind of sad. At least I don't think he did. I'll get my facts straight right here and right now. And he did play another game in the NHL. Eight more. My apologies. Eight more for the Anaheim Ducks, his uh, former club years ago, where he won the Stanley Cup as the backup goalie. The 07 Ducks. So, good for him there. <laughs> so, my apologies. He, apologies. He played eight more games. That's Yep, eight more games in the NHL the next season. And I did kind of remember that, and he wasn't so good. His movement, obviously not the same. A very entertaining, strange guy, but I suppose lots of goalies are strange in one way or another. Brzezgolov was had a personality where most goalies are kind of, uh, they're so even-keeled, they just, they're like a robot, and that's kind of Dubnik sometimes. Um, phenomenal acquisition, a little expensive on the contract, but not that bad. Uh, it's just the commitment of it, I suppose. Like, that's your starting goalie. Like it or not, he's your starting goalie. And, okay, he's a good goalie. He's a good goalie. It's just sometimes he'll drive you nuts, but I suppose every goalie in the league is going to do that. What the hell is this? Oh, that's his postseason, huh? 3.39 because of that game five. That's why. That awful game five. All five goals against. Otherwise, he was so good. It's too bad things ended up the way they did for uh, Dubnik. Crying shame. It, it really is. Certainly um, mm. not as good of a regular season as last year, but I suppose last season was... <laughs> the second half of the year wasn't as good as the first, blah, blah, blah. But that's every goalie. Um, interesting career for Chuck Fletcher. I appreciate what he brought to the Wild. At least better better drafter than Risebrow again. Hopefully the nice guy is even better and you can get the Brock Bessers because that's the one thing that has plagued the Wild forever. All the way back to 2000, and I've talked about this many times in the past, Marion Gabrick was the only sniper, the only like, actual star the Wild have ever had, ever. Uh, Suter, you could say, is a star, but he's not a star. He's really, really damn good, super damn good. Parisi, really, really damn good, but not a superstar. It's expensive, but not a superstar. Um, superstars score 40, 40 goal type of thing, and they, they get hat tricks and all that. And, you know, Parisi's gotten hat tricks, but then he'll go for through stretches where he doesn't score for a while. This and that. He's not dazzling. He doesn't blow people away. He doesn't make spectacular moves that leave players just stunned and leave the audience like captivated. That's what Marion Gabrick did, and the Wild have lacked that ever since. Ever since. And that's what the new general manager has to do. You have to get that Brock Besser, that uh, whoever. I mean, even Besser might not necessarily be a superstar, but he's closer to being one than anybody on this current roster. Brock Besser would have been an unbelievable addition in the 2015 draft, and uh, we're still waiting. So that's the hope at some point in time that this new general manager can bring in some star players via the draft. And I know it's not easy, but Brock Besser was not a top-tier blue-chip player, top-five pick. So they're there. You just got to go get them. It's possible. Um, It's possible. Very possible. So... And luckily, the Wild, maybe the closest thing to a possible star on the Wild is Dumba. Obviously, a 50-point defenseman, and he's just 23. So, obviously, that might be your quote-unquote star player at the moment, which might sound crazy to some people out there that uh, 
can't stand what uh, Devin Dubnik does, or excuse me, what Matt Dumba does sometimes stepping up at the wrong time, wrong place, and crucial turnovers at the wrong time. So lots to talk about, lots to think about, this and that. It was fun kind of going over it. And again, I like the 2015 draft. I think is a big highlight possibly for uh, Fletcher's career. And that's what did keep him around, I think, the last two years, per se, where you could have questioned him at some points in time. But then again, I suppose in 2015, the Wild had just gotten to the second round twice. But then there it was. The Wild then officially hit the plateau and they got swept by the Blackhawks and they haven't been to the second round since. That was a major eye-opener for every Minnesota Wild fan in this town, without a doubt. Um, Too many players on this team shrink in the playoffs. It's like they get punched in the mouth and they quit. That's kind of like they don't really quit, but they kind of do. You know what I mean? They just, they're not the same. One way or another, they're not the same. They don't rise up to the occasion and get the job done like you need star players to do. And unfortunately, the Wild, again, lacking in the star department. So possible replacements placements for Chuck Fletcher. The number one guy on just about everybody's list so far is assistant general manager, 58-year-old. 58-year-old assistant general manager of the Nashville Predators. Yep, has another connection with Nashville again, just like Ryan Studer and all that. And of course, again, Leopold was the owner of the Nashville Predators before he owned the Minnesota Wild. Paul Fenton. Paul Fenton at 58 years old. He's been there for 18 years, and he is very focused on draft. He's one of the more draft, he's more of a draft-focused general manager, which I think the Minnesota Wild need. Chuck Fletcher was focused so much because, again, it, it appears Craig Leopold is constantly has this win-now approach, which can be a problem. Free agency and making panic trades where you're giving up too much. Trading away those draft picks instead of players trading away draft picks. You know, instead of making more aggressive moves in terms of trading away players that you might feel need a change of scenery and we need a change of scenery in the locker room, this and that. Uh, new blood, so to speak, in the locker room. Where... Um, <clears throat> That's been the that's been the stress I think for Chuck Fletcher again constantly trying to save this team improve this team through free agency and trades rather than actually focusing heavily on the draft <clears throat> and keeping draft picks rather than trading them away where apparently Paul Fenton may be the opposite where he's more focused on making draft picks draft picks draft picks and that's truly how you build an NHL team that's how the National Predators became good yeah you can make a trade here and there where maybe you trade a player for a player. That's what the Wild need to do. Trade a player for a player here and there. But again, number one focus needs to be the draft. Again, Fletcher, a major improvement over Risebrow in that category. But still, I think we can do better in the draft than Chuck Fletcher has done so far. Other than the 2015 draft, which I think could be a pretty good draft. Hopefully. But um, so far, generally speaking, a lot of the drafts not so pretty. Especially 2013. Ooh, that one looks bad. Oh, my Carson Soucy hopefully will be the highlight of that draft because it ain't Olofsson, it ain't Gabriel, it ain't Lobby. <laughs> so I don't know, man. Uh, Paul Fenton, uh, Tom Fitzgerald, New Jersey Devils assistant general manager. That's another one. A possibility familiar with Leopold. He played for the Predators from 98 to 02, served as director of player personnel for GM Ray Cheryl with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So interesting. And yep, there's a relation there because Chuck Fletcher worked with Cheryl. So that's interesting. Bill Guerin, the former physical captain with the Edmonton Oilers, Edmonton Oilers and such. Um, he's an assistant general manager with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, that's cool. And he's also the general manager of their AHL affiliate. Uh, of course, again, 
tough physical defenseman. He might be an interesting uh, tough physical forward center that is captain of the Oilers years ago, Bill Guerin. Would not mind a, a guy like that. Another interesting th- thing that was brought up not too long ago was, or not on Dan Barrero yesterday, was Chuck Fletcher said that there was a mystery candidate for the general manager role that actually had been offered the job before Chuck Fletcher back in 09. That guy's name was drumroll Tampa Bay Lightning general manager Steve Eiserman. Uh, yeah, he was offered the job and he turned it down because he thought it wasn't time to be a GM yet, basically, and he had too much on his plate. He was helping Team Canada at the time. And Steve Eiserman, Minnesota Wild general manager Steve Eiserman. We missed out on Steve Eiserman again, the dream. Just, you know, like Lou Nanny took Brian Lawton in the, what was it, 84 draft, 83 draft. Steve Eiserman has taken a few picks later by Detroit, and the rest was history. They won three. They only won three Stanley Cups with Iverson. Uh, Iverson Eiserman. It was it was several years later, but hey, three cups with Eiserman. Tampa Bay might win the Stanley Cup this year. Tampa Bay was awfully good the last few years, and they have definitely been rebuilt in an unbelievable way. And now they look phenomenal. Draft picks that Eiserman uh, beat Fletcher to, obviously. Better picks than what uh, Fletcher was able to get in the same draft, same place, same area. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. It, that's just Minnesota right there. Oh, Eiserman, why'd you have to break our hearts twice? <laughs> but he did. Oh, man, more reason to hate the Detroit Red Wings, I guess. Bill Zito, recently named general manager of the 2018 U.S. Men's National Team. Zito, former player and agent who has worked with the Columbus Blue Jackets since 2013. Uh-huh. He's the GM of the AHL affiliate Cleveland Monsters. So that's a familiar name, as you see. So again, I'm going to cite ESPN for this information and NHL trade tracker for all the trades. So I'm going to be honest. And then, of course, hockey database, which is something we all swear by when we talk hockey with the NHL draft history, Minnesota Wild draft history, per se. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon works with the Golden Knights. Um... Yeah, it's hard to imagine him leaving there, but you never know. He could be a possible general manager. He's working with the Golden Knights. Brent Flair, the assistant general manager of the Minnesota Wild, senior vice president of hockey operations, and he is also the. Uh, he also works with the uh, Iowa Wild as well. Of course, he's been around since the beginning, and well, we'll see. Um, odds are things won't. Odds are he won't get hired when you're looking at a new set of eyes. So. I wouldn't mind Brent Flair being kept as the assistant general manager, but we'll see. Uh, Dean Lombardi, Dean Dean Lombardi, the former Los Angeles Kings general manager. Yep, also, he's the guy that got the two cuffs with them. That's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Wow, he's currently working in the Philadelphia Flyers organization under Ron Hextall. So, wow, Dean Lombardi. Interesting. And then Pierre Maguire, that name always gets brought up, I think. And, of course, he is uh, like the, uh, you know, he's like the, the Kenny Smith, per se, with TNT, the NBA, uh, Pierre McGuire with NHL Network and NBC and all that. Cool. Um, never know. He almost became the Pittsburgh Penguins GM in 2014. You never know. So we'll see what happens. Pierre McGuire, a name that's always been out there. He was there last time, too, when Chuck Fletcher was the main candidate. I was kind of in Chuck Fletcher's corner at the time. I was kind of excited about that and him helping the Pittsburgh Penguins develop the team they did. Now, it's kind of easy when you have freaking Crosby and you have the number one pick in the draft. But, okay, sure, still, they had to get other players around him. Um, We'll see what happens. Bill Guerin, that's the Pittsburgh Penguins assistant general manager this time. Of course, Fletcher was the GM last time. I don't know. 
what to say, Paul Fenton, if he's if his approach is completely on the draft more than, uh, well, not completely, but his number one focus is the draft. I think I like him the most so far. 58 years old, he's not the youngest guy out there, but uh, experience would be nice. And uh, Bruce Boudreaux and Paul Fenton, I think, would work together pretty well. That's my guess. But then again, it depends on how win now is Bruce Boudreaux is. But also at the same time, a player-for-player trade would be wise, and I would not be surprised if that might be one of the reasons why... Uh, possibly, possibly reading between the lines that Bruce Boudreaux may have been one of the confidants that uh, helped uh, Craig Leopold change his mind on keeping Chuck Fletcher. So that's kind of where things stand now. This is a one-segment uh, one segment uh, sprint here with this episode. Again, breaking news and stuff. I can't believe it went 40 minutes, but there was a bit of a career retrospective here talking about uh, Chuck Fletcher. It was interesting to talk about looking at the past, now looking at the future. Paul Fenton, Tom Fitzgerald, Bill Guerin, Bill Zito, interesting one there, Kelly McCrimmon, Brent Flair, Dean at Lombardi and Pierre Maguire. I wouldn't mind bringing in Dean Lombardi. That'd be an interesting choice. But Paul Fenton, again, if it's draft first, if draft is first, I'm a Paul Fenton fan in that case. And odds are that Paul Fenton is the front runner at the end of the day. And okay, I'm, I, I would be cool with that. I'm hoping and believing that he will help refocus this organization on the draft and of course, again, if trading player for player, I would appreciate that a lot more than trading draft picks for players uh, because that has not worked. It didn't work with Risebrow. It didn't work with uh, Mr. Chuck Fletcher. So God willing, best of luck to Chuck Fletcher. He'll probably resurface with Pittsburgh or somebody like that. I wouldn't be surprised. Or Florida, somebody like that. It's going to happen. Chuck Fletcher will be a general manager again in the National Hockey League. He's got a still got a nice career ahead of him, I believe. He'll probably start off as an assistant, but you never know. He may be a uh, main general manager again one of these days. So for me, Paul Fenton, number one, Dean Lombardi, number two, at the end of the day, are my top choices for Minnesota Wild general manager. With that, we'll give you the contact details at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. Want to thank Hockey Podcasts for sharing the show and Vince Germano for retweeting it. Can't thank you enough for that. Um, also, facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild, facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild. Please like that page if you could. Follow the Twitter account. Follow, also like uh, facebook.com forward slash MNW players. Do join that page if you could. That would be greatly appreciated. And then, of course, the call-in lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. Maybe talk about Chuck Fletcher. Talk about the new general manager. Talk about trades you want to see or... or uh, whatever, even draft picks, <laughs> whatever you want to talk about, certain prospects in the system. I love talking about the prospects, as you know. So with that, again, please do join. There's the call now button on the Facebook page, which goes to the same phone line through Facebook Messenger, so it's free no matter where you're from. As long as, you're, as, long as you have Wi-Fi or data, you're good to go. And then the audio submission route is the final way to go. Use the free voice recording application on any smart device on the planet. Use that, save it, treat it like a phone call, keep it to about five minutes or so. And then email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. And I will then uh, convert it into an MP3 file thanks to zomzar.com or converto.com. Thanks to those websites for providing that type of uh, technology. Greatly appreciated. Again, thanks to ESPN and uh, obviously <laughs> all the other websites. Uh, Sport Track, of course, which is one for the uh, NHL salaries that I've talked about recently. And of course, uh, NHL Trade Tracker, Tracker, pardon me, and Hockey Database. It's good to cite those pages for the help. So thanks again. God bless all of you. We'll be back soon. 
talk, talk about the new general manager. That'll more than likely be the next show. And, of course, the NHL postseason rages on. Go Vegas Golden Knights, I think. 